When Betsy was referred to a special lung care clinic by her primary care doctor, she had been struggling with shortness of breath for several years. But despite use of inhalers and increases in supplemental oxygen, the symptoms were worsening and limiting her ability to remain active. This then led to anxiety and depression. She struggled to care for her home, go out with friends, and even speak on the phone with her adult children who lived out of state. Betsy's world was getting smaller. Altogether, she began to feel like a hindrance to her husband and family. At the lung care clinic, she met Dr. Patty Fogelman, doctor of nursing practice who is trained to treat lung disease and as a palliative care provider. Though Betsy was a retired nurse, she didn't have an in-depth understanding of palliative care. But in the years to come, she and her whole family learned firsthand how it manages a multitude of symptoms and alleviates the many burdens faced by those living with serious illness. In short, being connected to Dr. Fogelman meant that Betsy had new ways to keep enjoying her life. This is Betsy's Palliative Care Story. When Betsy first came to see me, she was in her mid-60s. She was a retired nurse who had raised two children while working part-time as a nurse, um, was now kind of an empty nester at home with her husband, and really enjoyed, you know, very domestic activities. She loved to cook. She loved to bake. Um, she enjoyed being social with her circle of friends. She had a monthly brunch that she attended with a group of friends from her high school. That was about an hour and a half from her home. She loved to go out to things like craft fairs and flea markets. When I asked her, like, well, what kind of things at home are you not able to do anymore? She, you know, with a straight face looked at me and said, you know, I'm really annoyed that I can't vacuum like I used to. And I like to vacuum the house every day and I just get so winded when I'm trying to do it and I just hate that I can't vacuum the house. It really became evident that we had to work with her to make it so that she's able to do those things she enjoyed or even come up with a way to modify some of those activities so that she can still enjoy them but perhaps not be as exerted by them. That's Dr. Fogelman, who spearheaded Betsy's care for more than eight years before she moved to a new position as System Director of Palliative Care at Guthrie Clinic, a rural health system in north-central Pennsylvania and upstate New York. Dr. Fogelman is sharing Betsy's story as an example of the many ways that palliative care can improve quality of life for those living with serious illness. Before we hear more about the scope of care Betsy received from Dr. Fogelman, Let's define palliative care. Palliative care is specialized medical care for people living with a serious illness. This type of care focuses on providing relief from the symptoms and stress of the illness. The goal is to improve quality of life for both the patient and the family. Palliative care is provided by a specially trained team of doctors, nurses, and other specialists who work together with a patient's other doctors to provide an extra layer of support. It's appropriate at any age and at any stage in a serious illness, and it can be provided along with curative treatment. Depending on where you live, palliative care is available in a number of settings, including hospitals, outpatient clinics, and at home. As is true with most palliative care patients, Betsy has benefited in many ways, with better symptom management, care coordination with her other doctors, family support, and troubleshooting to find ways she could stay involved in activities that bring her joy and satisfaction. 
So when Betsy first came to me in my pulmonary medicine clinic, she had been following with her primary care provider for what really she coined as a really bad asthma or just shortness of breath that was worsening over the years and for which she had been in the last two years started on some oxygen. What she did not have was a true sense of what her medical problems were, just that her oxygen needs seemed to be increasing. And as she said to me, my chest x-ray looks funny, so my doctor sent me to you. And when she came to us and we looked at her initial chest x-rays, you know, to us from the pulmonary end, clearly there was something more going on. In order to come up with the best care plan for Betsy, the team at the lung clinic ran a battery of tests and assessments to identify the cause of her condition. They ultimately diagnosed her with hypersensitivity pneumonitis. Simply put, this is a type of lung disease where the tissue of the lungs becomes stiff, which in turn prevents oxygen from circulating through the body properly. It turned out that it was caused by mold from a leaky pipe in the ceiling of Betsy's home that had been blowing through the ventilation system undetected for a long period of time. And then unfortunately you have to really sit down with her and her husband to kind of talk about now, well, this is what it means to have, you know, a disease like hypersensitivity pneumonitis. This is not a curable lung disease, but everything you're feeling with it is so normal for how it happens. And so let's talk more about what we think we can do to help you, how we can help control it from getting worse too quickly, how can we try to slow it down a little bit, what are some of the things that help us do that. And so I think over those first couple of visits with Betsy, the the one thing that became really evident was, you know, please help me control some of these symptoms, help me figure out what's going on with me, but then explain it to me so that, you know, not only that I understand, but then I can tell my family what's going on, because really her children were both out of state, both adults had their own lives, working full-time, children of their own, um, but really struggling, you know, to not know what's wrong with their parent, with their mom, and every time they call home to talk to her, you know, she's just so breathless on the phone. You know, patients who cannot breathe are not just sitting there with breathlessness. They're also really tired, and they're often very anxious, and sometimes you know, their anxiety and their their fatigue can contribute to more depression. They often feel a sense of being overwhelmed or as a burden to their families. They feel like they start to lose different facets of their self-identity because these are people who were 100% independent, fully functional, didn't need any help. And now because of this debility in their lung function, you know, cannot physically perform the things that they so enjoy doing. And, you know, that's what was really striking about Betsy. This was a vibrant, active, socially engaged, you know, intelligent woman who so enjoyed, you know, every little aspect of her life down to, you know, how she kept her home and how she engaged with her friends and where she socialized and the things she enjoyed doing. I'm going to help you feel better. And there are some steps that we're going to take along the way to get you there. So first, we're going to try some rehab. We started her on some medicine for her anxiety. I put her on some medicine for her depression. I worked in partnership then with her primary care doc to kind of modify her mood management medication. So the primary care doc, you know, was 15 minutes from her house. I was an hour and 15 minutes from her house. So certainly it was easier to let the local provider kind of take over managing the depression and anxiety meds. 
Pulmonary rehab for advanced lung patients usually lasts four to five months and goes a long way to help preserve and improve lung function, which in turn can mean living better and longer. Though she still needed to use supplemental oxygen, Betsy's stamina improved and she was indeed able to do more each day. She saw further proof during follow-up visits and lung function tests with Dr. Fogelman. But as the disease progressed over time, Dr. Fogelman continued to work with Betsy to address concerns, find new ways to manage changes in symptoms, and most importantly, allow Betsy to keep up with activities that matter to her. Here's one example. You know, the most notable was, you know, this 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 enjoyment of the vacuuming. You know, it was constantly kind of brought up at a, a lot of our visits, and so it was kind of like Okay, Betsy, well, let me give you some medicine that's going to help reduce that breathlessness. Take it about 15 minutes before you vacuum, but maybe we can negotiate that you vacuum, like, one room of the house in the morning and then pick another room, you know, in the evening. Um, and then we would kind of find this balance. And so then at what point her husband actually asked me, you know, well, would it make a difference, you know, what kind of a vacuum? And I, and I have to tell you, like, I am not a fan of housekeeping. So I was literally then doing research on types of vacuums to find out, like, well, what weighs the least and what's the easiest to push along and what is a good vacuum to use for someone who might be breathless. And, you know, we found a model that was lightweight but really effective. I gave that to her. They bought it. And then I literally had her wear her oxygen meter when she was vacuuming and record those numbers for me. And then we just adjusted her oxygen up by like a liter or two during the episode of vacuuming, and she was fine. And for several years, that worked, and there were no other issues. And, you know, she had this this pride she has at how she keeps her home. We were able to sustain that for her. Our only job is to really help our patients, you know, be satisfied and be, you know, satisfied to where they define their quality is meaningful to them. And so these were small efforts, I think, but they made such a big impact for her. Advanced lung disease like Betsy's often leads to complications that require seeing other medical providers and sometimes hospital visits. But palliative care teams stay involved and serve as a central source of connection and communication with all parties. They often have the most thorough insights into their patient's medical conditions, symptoms, and what matters most on an individual level. They coordinate a patient's care with other providers with the goals of reducing symptom burden and improving quality of life. It's no surprise that Betsy made sure Dr. Fogelman was called for input and guidance on many occasions for inpatient and outpatient care. You know, I remember once the nurse practitioner from the family medicine office called and said, oh, you know, she's in here. She wasn't feeling too well. I honestly think it's a sinus infection. She's got XYZ symptoms, you know, and her vital signs look good. And I just wanted to give you a heads up. She asked me to call you because, you know, she has this advanced lung disease. And, you know, what do you want to do? And I said, all right, you know, if it's truly looking like a science infection, that's great. Do me one favor, put the oxygen monitor on her and just have her walk the length of your hallway. And if that oxygen level doesn't dip dramatically, then it's likely not, you know, something in in relation to her advanced lung disease. It's probably just a sinus infection. And, you know, we were able to kind of stave off the need to admit her to a hospital or anything, but we could kind of more aggressively get a hold of those symptoms and get those things treated and under control. And then her follow-up from that could just be back, you know, with her primary care. There were a couple of times that, you know, she had some hospitalizations. We know that our patients with 
any kind of an advancing lung problem will often develop some issues with heart failure on the right side of their heart. That's what's called pulmonary hypertension, which in fact she then did develop. And so we had to do a quick admission, modify some medications, kind of get that sorted out a little bit. We want you to keep who you want to keep in your life. And we want to be part of making sure that every part of your life is as high quality as it can be. And most of how we do that is really by working hard to reduce your symptom burden and working in partnership with your other providers to talk about what other creative ways can we help reduce your symptom burden. I can tell you that Betsy, as well as almost all of my patients, so very much appreciate our ability to interact with their other providers. Another unique aspect of palliative care is how it supports the patient and their families and caregivers. But each patient decides whether or not and under what circumstance their caregivers interact with the palliative care team. Betsy saw her appointments with Dr. Fogelman as a safe place where she could openly and privately share her concerns about how her illness was affecting her life and her relationships and to seek help in communicating her condition and her needs to the ones closest to her, her husband Ralph, and her adult children. With Dr. Fogelman's gentle prodding, there were times when Ralph and their children participated and even Betsy agreed that these meetings allowed them all to better understand changes in Betsy's health and better support her. So Betsy's husband, Ralph, would come to her appointments every once in a while, um, alternating with her best friend, Marianne. And sometimes she would let him come into the exam room with her, and sometimes she wouldn't. And, you know, I asked her about that once, and she said, well, I look at these appointments with you as time for me. And I don't necessarily feel like he needs to be here for that. And she would say that with a smile. And, you know, what it really kind of was um, sometimes that she just felt like she needed to vent or she needed to share a concern about how maybe she was um, becoming a burden to him or that reassurance that she needed. But when her, you know, when she had some changes in her condition or her oxygen needs increase and stuff, I would say, hey, let's have a visit. Let's, let's finish up our part of it. Is it okay if I go get Ralph to join us? And then over the years, what really, you know, we would do is periodically she would want to come in for an appointment and bring him with her because she wanted me to help explain some of the changes that were happening. And one of the biggest issues was she couldn't handle, like, carrying out her oxygen tanks at one point. And, you know, he was always kind of, like, uh, so used to her independence and her her sense of self-reliance that he didn't even occur to him to kind of stop and say, hey, do you want me to grab those tanks for you? And so she came into the visit one day and told me, like, you know, I've just stopped wanting to go places because I've got to drag my oxygen tank out and it's just so heavy and he doesn't help me. And so I remember saying, well, did you ask him? And so, you know, I called Ralph into the room after that and I said, hey, you know, so Betsy and I were just talking and she's having a little more difficulty, as you know, and you know, these oxygen tanks are super heavy, and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind carrying them for her out to the car, because I think that would help her feel less breathless. And, his, you know, it was an instant, of course, no problem at all. And I, and he kind of looked at it, he goes, why didn't you ask me? And, you know, and she, she's, the woman's got her pride, so she's like, well, I didn't think of it. Patty just brought it up, and I thought it was a good idea. And so, you know, these little points along the way where, you know, things in their relationship would change a little bit, or she needed to be willing to ask for more help sometimes required a little bit of prompting. 
And so it would kind of be like, well, let's call Ralph in and kind of talk to him a little bit today about what's changed. And, you know, when we had like the big change that we noticed happening was when her, the the right heart failure stuff started to kind of get more pronounced. And that's really when her ability to physically do certain things started to more drastically change. And he insisted then on coming into an appointment with her, even though she was trying to push him out the door. And he said, I'm worried that she's trying to do too much. And, you know, she's very stubborn. and She keeps insisting on vacuuming. And I'm like, you guys, I've been listening to this vacuuming saga for like six years now. And so then we found some compromises, you know, that she can vacuum, but he would help lift the furniture out of the way because that should not be something she was doing. As we've been describing, the goal of palliative care is to improve quality of life for the patient and the family. A patient's serious illness not only affects the patient, but their spouses and children. And palliative care offers an extra layer of support and understanding throughout the entire process. So then she actually messaged me and said, you know, my kids have decided to come in for a week to visit me and we are going to have, you know, a meeting, you know, kind of together as a family. And I was wondering if you could give me some language to explain what's going on to them so that I don't get flustered. And so, you know, I wrote out a talking map for her and I said, you know, Betsy, here's, here's how I think you can say it and you can rephrase this however you need to, but just kind of this is the information you want to convey. And, you know, really using language that was clear and that was straightforward and not medical because these weren't people who were in a medical field. And, you know, when she wrote to me, you know, after they had left and she had this wonderful week with them, you know, she said, your your talking map and kind of that language you gave me really helped open so many doors with my children. Like I was able to have this very open, very honest conversation with them. She's like, you know, my husband and I sat together with our children. We gave them all the information that I had, told them the stuff that had happened. And they really felt, you know, well-informed. They felt that they had a clear understanding of things. And then as these next couple of visits would happen every couple of months, if the kids were visiting or around, they would come with her to the visit. And at one point, you know, her daughter came to the visit and, you know, had a couple of additional questions. And so I think these are all these like really great examples of how palliative care helps these patients because the goal is to help you live the fullest life you can have. And once you let me know how you define that and what matters to you, my job then as your palliative provider is to say, okay, here are some creative problem-solving approaches that I think we can use to make that happen. Each patient living with serious illness has individual needs and priorities, and the time connected to a palliative care team varies. But because of the many ways that palliative care provides an extra layer of support and that the patient is seen as a whole person, it's not unusual when the patient-provider relationship is as strong as the one between Betsy and Dr. Fogelman. Though Dr. Fogelman moved away and Betsy continued seeing others on the palliative care team, the two stayed in touch for a long time. For Dr. Fogelman, Betsy's experience remains a strong example of how palliative care improves quality of life for those living with serious illness. You know, if you're living with any kind of an advancing medical illness and, you know, you're being told by your providers that it's a serious problem or you're pretty sick, it's pretty serious, I want everyone listening to this to really know that palliative care can help you. 
you know, our goal is to improve the quality of your life. And we have so many different ways of doing that. And I hope that people can kind of get a sense of that from hearing Betsy's story. To learn more about palliative care and how it can help you or someone you love who is living with lung disease or another serious illness, visit getpalliativecare.org. You can also check out the Palliative Care Provider Directory, which lets you search for a palliative care provider in your area and by setting. This episode was narrated and produced by Nick Ciavada.